in the year 587 B.C., as the prophet Isaiah had warned, King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army conquered Jerusalem. As conquerors often do, they destroyed the city, they flattened the temple, they stole its treasure, and they took into captivity the Jewish people, men, women, children, making them slaves and exiles in Babylon from their beloved Jerusalem. And times were difficult, exiled in Babylon. See, the Babylonian captors were unforgiving taskmasters. The women and the children were bought and sold as if they were cattle. And praying to the one true God was a dangerous activity. One that might result in a cruel, merciless punishment, even death. And it was a dire circumstance of which the prophet Isaiah foretold more than a century before the conquest actually took place. His people, exiled in a foreign land, Slaves to a godless people in bondage to a culture of idols and false gods under constant pressure to submit, to bow down, to conform. Now if we fast forward to present day Houston, Texas and surrounding area. Houston is a sprawling metropolis. And we see a small town teenage runaway named Chloe running from an abusive situation at home. And she steps off a bus in downtown Houston and immediately falls prey to a smooth-talking human trafficker. Within days, she is enslaved to the highest bidder and finds herself in bondage. She is in exile in Babylon. Across town, a a man named Jonathan, a husband and a father of three, walks into his place of employment as he's done every day for the last five years, only to find a pink slip where his time card should be. His company decided to cut his position rather than pay for his government-mandated health insurance. And devastated, he gets back into his truck and he makes that endless drive back home to look into his wife's eyes to tell her that he is now jobless. He is in exile in Babylon. Indeed, his whole family is in exile in Babylon. Right down the street from Jonathan and his family in his very neighborhood, 
A single mom named Haley tries in vain to comfort her three-year-old, Caitlin, who has a high fever and hangs listlessly in her mother's arms. Haley has no food, no money, no way to pay a doctor for a visit or for medicine. Her part-time job barely pays for their small apartment. If only her boyfriend had not gotten arrested a few weeks ago for drug possession. They so depended on his income and now they are all three in exile in Babylon. See, by the grace of Almighty God, Isaiah's prophetic word does not end with the Israelites in captivity in Babylon. God showed Isaiah that there would come a time for their deliverance from bondage. There would come a day of salvation for them. And Isaiah told them, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. See, God provided a way out of Babylon if they would only take it. His mercy and His grace were near. All they had to do was accept it. Return to Him. And He would redeem them. But see, it was a limited time offer. Isaiah told them while God was here now, while He was giving His mercy and His grace now, there would come a time when the offer would end. So they should act now if they wanted to come out of exile from Babylon. So back in downtown Houston, a ministry worker risks everything and posing as a customer, he rents the young runaway Chloe, now a year older and totally dependent on her captives for everything, including her heroin habit. And he offers her an invitation to escape with him to a safe house. And he can't force her to go, but if she accepts, she will be safe that very night. Now will she accept her deliverer? Or will she remain in exile in Babylon? Across the city, Jonathan and his family walk into a local church to spend the night. It's been a year since he lost his job, and they have lost everything. Their home, their car, all of their possessions. As they walk in the church, there are several other homeless families staying there with them, and they all sit together around a table to share a meal prepared for them by church members. And the pastor offers a prayer before the meal and the words the pastor prays begin to penetrate 
the shell around Jonathan's heart. And the pastor prays, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Will Jonathan accept the invitation to unload his heavy burdens? Or will he remain in exile in Babylon? Nearby single mom Haley wonders if little Caitlin will ever see four years of age. What began as a high fever nearly a year ago has turned out to be a serious degenerative condition. And without health insurance and access to quality care, Haley has just barely managed to sustain Caitlin. But she fears the end is coming, and there is nothing she can do. And as Haley rocks her helpless child to sleep, as she's done every night for nearly a year now, she turns on the radio, only to hear a pastor on a talk show telling about a clinic in Northwest Houston for people like her with no insurance and no money. And the pastor says that they have doctors and nurses and specialists and they work every day to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those in need. And all she has to do is call and make the appointment in the morning, but she's not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Will the clinic still help her even if She's not sure what to do with Jesus. Will she she make the call? Or will she stay in exile in Babylon? See, our teenage runaway, Chloe, our husband and father, Jonathan, our single mom, Haley, and her jailed boyfriend, whoever he might be, are but a small sampling, they and their circumstances, of this prevailing collective consciousness of sin in our society. We are, as a culture, as fallen humans, the wicked to whom Isaiah refers in his prophecy. Because we have it all backwards. We have it all upside down. We, we are short-sighted and we have lost our way as a people. We have not grasped the truth as Isaiah proclaims it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts.
It has been heavy on my heart this week as I see some of what's going on in the prevailing culture and Lord help us for some of the things that even have penetrated the walls of our little church, our little sanctuary here in Splendora. When people abide in the Holy Spirit, when people abide in the Holy Spirit, there is no room for conflict. When people are of the same heart and mind as the Holy Spirit, there is no room for conflict. Conflict exists out of the abiding of the Spirit. It cannot exist within. When conflicts arise, it's because someone has stepped out of the Spirit. Oh, that's harsh to hear, isn't it? It's harsh to hear. But Christians, me included, have that ability to step outside of the Spirit. And when we do that, all that stuff finds room to enter. When we can accept that abiding in the Spirit is where we need to be, when we cease rebellious efforts to be autonomous and to make our own rules, then and only then can we enjoy the freedom, the mercy and grace and the pardon of God. Until we return to the Lord, as Isaiah proclaims, we will all live in exile in Babylon. But when we accept our Deliverer, when we choose to say yes to Jesus, when we choose to abide in the Spirit, when we trust in Him, confess our trespasses, give up our individual agendas, when we turn away from all of those and turn to Him, then we receive mercy and with it grace. We receive the abundant pardon of our God and then, then we cease to be in exile in Babylon. And then we are headed for Jerusalem. How do we know this is true? We know it's true because God said it. God is not a human being that he should lie or a mortal that he should change his mind. Has he promised and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? That's Numbers twenty three Isaiah proclaims, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, 
but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word does not return void. It accomplishes great and mighty things in the kingdom. If God says he will pardon, you can rest assured that you are no longer in exile in Babylon through the power of the Holy Spirit and through what Jesus did for us on the cross. You are no longer in exile in Babylon through Jesus, but you are headed for Jerusalem. And what a joyous journey that will be. As you travel that sanctifying road to Jerusalem, all of creation will shout for joy, the Bible says. As our runaway Chloe accepts her deliverer's invitation of safety, she embraces an opportunity for true deliverance. As our husband and father, Jonathan, joyfully allows the pastor's prayer to penetrate his heart, he grasps the gift of an eternal home and access to the limitless storehouses of God. As our single mom, Haley, carries her child, Caitlin, through the doors of the clinic ministry, she experienced, maybe for the first time, the face of Christ in the eyes of a Christian medical team and a relationship of trust and new life is born. And like Chloe and Jonathan and Haley, we too have to make a choice. We too have to decide if we will accept our deliverer or not. And if we, like our examples, accept Christ, we can all step out in joy because while we may be in exile in Babylon, we are headed for Jerusalem. We are headed for Jerusalem. As Isaiah proclaims, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of a thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. If you have not already, will you make a decision for Jesus today? Will you say yes to the invitation of your deliverer? Because if you do, what a celebration we will have. When the runaways all come home. When the families have provision in abundance. When the addicts are set free. When the single moms and their children are secure in the house of the Lord where sin, sickness, and death are not even a faded memory. 
what a celebration we will have when we are no longer slaves to our sin, no longer in bondage to the prevailing culture, no longer in exile in Babylon, but home sweet home in Jerusalem. Glory to God. Hallelujah and amen. There is a heart of worship that we as a congregation have an opportunity, even now, to enter in. And the only rule is that all honor, glory, and praise must go to the Father. You can sing, you can sit quietly, you can raise your hands. However the Spirit moves you is correct. The thing about worship is that worship is not about us. Oh, Pastor, I don't like the song choice. It wasn't meant for you. Oh, my goodness, people. It was meant for our Lord as the Spirit leads. And you can choose to join in or you can choose to opt out, but it's all about Him. It's all about Him. Worship is about what we can come and give, not about what we can come and get. And the beautiful thing about approaching worship with that mindset is because God is so great and so generous and so good, if we come to worship with the intent of giving ourselves to worship, God blesses us and we receive. It's about what you can come and give. And then be prepared to have your socks blessed off because he's going to give. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we have seen here this morning that trusting in you and confessing and repenting coming to you with an attitude of giving and not one of what can I receive from you today generates a change in the atmosphere not only of our worship but in our week ahead and also in our very lives. We don't want to be in exile in Babylon for one moment longer, Father God. We want to accept the free gift that you have for us today so that we can start on that road to Jerusalem 
to that home that you have prepared for us in this very life. In this very life. And so we give you all the honor and the glory. And as Debbie comes up to lead us in intercessory prayer and to lead us in the Lord's prayer, we give it all up to you. We're here to give, Father. We are here to give. And by your grace and mercy, if it be your will, let us receive what you have for us in the process. In Jesus' name, amen.